Hey there, everybody. This is Christine, your host on Pulsing Black. Welcome back. I am so excited today. I am joined by Dondre and Anne, and we are talking financial health and wellness today, you people. We are talking dollars, black dollars, dare I say. And so without further ado, I want to get into it, learn more about my guests today, and learn what it is we really need to know as black people when it comes to money, finances, and financial health. So welcome, Dondre. Thank you. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up, and how the place that you were raised shaped your Black identity. Yeah, so first and foremost, thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I really love opportunities to come on to podcasts, uh, videos, etc., to talk about something that's near and dear to me, my family, and where I plan to go, which is uh, finances, right? It's more than just money. Uh, for me, it's more than just behavior. It's everything um, that I've had to experience watching my mother. I'm um, as a single parent, raised six kids, right? So when I look at my Black identity um, and how it has really shaped uh, my understanding and um, impact to money, um, before we came on uh, officially, Anne was mentioning some great things about entitlement, mm. right? I used to watch my mom. She was a hard worker. She worked extremely hard. Like she taught, I absorbed that from her. But one of the things that she didn't really uh, know how to do was manage what she received. Mm. My mom used to work three jobs. So working hard is just, that's, that is, I know that. <laughs> Wow. But when it came to uh, knowing what to do with that to grow, expand, and build wealth, more importantly, generational wealth, that was lapsing for her. She really didn't know how to do that. But also, I had to take a look at my peers and my community. I had never had a conversation with anyone on how to save money, mm. how to manage money, or how to grow money. Mm. The only conversation we had was how to spend it. Wow. Wow. It was, this is what you need to buy, whether it's my peers, my uncles, family members, it, they were very good at telling me what to buy and purchase, right? When we looked at Black identity as it pertained to white identity, right? Mm. Black people did this with money, white people did this with money, mm. right? It, was, it wasn't something we talked about, it was just something that, uh, that was understood. White people manage their money better, Black people don't, it's okay, right? White wow. people have more money, Black people don't, right? Wow. So I grew up absorbing a lot of that. So I felt like I wasn't entitled, but then again, my peers, right? So their families are, um, you know, perpetuating the same understanding, the same identity. So we were feeding from each other in our community as we grew up. I remember my first opportunity to make money. Mm. Um, I was shoveling snow and I had received about $50. I was so excited about it. <laughs> but the first thing I did was I gave it to my mom. Wow. I didn't put a percentage away. I didn't try to save any. I was like, here, right? I'm here to help you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with us to uh, helping our family as it pertains to Black identity, right? That's one of the things we are very community-based. Yes. That's our value. But when we look at being able to help ourselves, we lapse in that area. So financially, we're typically feeding a whale or feeding someone or a community without yes. putting a little way for us, for our emergencies, for mm -hmm. our health, for mm -hmm. our well-being. So overall, those are some of the things that I love addressing throughout my business and throughout my conversations with others. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Wow. Without me even putting my two cents in, because I'm saving it to be a dime, because, you know, I'm going to speak money all through this episode. And please tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how where you were raised has shaped your identity today as a Black woman. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, Christine, and thank you. Did I cannot pronounce your name? So yes, we don't do it, Dandre. Oh Lord, thank yes. you so much uh, for sharing this opportunity with me. I think it's going to be a great conversation. So, my name is Anne Mboro. I grew up in Kenya, uh, in a small uh, town near Nairobi. I migrated to the United States when I was 20 years old. I'm the first of um, two girls. Now, growing up, I did not think that we had money. Mm. That's my <laughs> background with finances. I knew that I knew that we didn't have money because my mom was a single mom. She was working every day, six days a week, making somewhere around $10 a month. I don't know if you know $10 a month living on that. So I knew that there was no money. We didn't have money. And 
I didn't understand that I was black and black was a problem because if you grow up in Africa, that is not part of our struggles. Our mm. struggle is a different kind of struggle. It's poverty and where you are born, you kind of think that's where you need to stay. Mm. So I did not really see, I did not know how I was going to be able to be financially well. I, did, I wasn't born into wealth, but I knew that one day somewhere along the way, I needed to be able to provide and to have some financial freedom that I saw other people having that. Mm. Therefore, uh, the opportunity came to migrate to the United States. And upon landing here, I, of course, knew that I had landed to, um, I thought that the, 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 the pavements were, were paved with gold and mm. money but to come to understand that wasn't true and uh, but it was brought to me that the opportunities here were immense that mm. as long as you went to work and you worked hard you got a good education you're gonna get a job and you're going to succeed mm. so i followed that in pathway. that order in, <laughs> yes in that order <laughs> i followed that pathway and it had it reached a place where it 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 brought to because mm. you can only go so far with that theory especially wow. like uh like uh dre said that sometimes you don't understand money and the relationship with money will make you not even think that it's it's um it's it's for you so right. it brought out because of the mindset that i had about money at that time mm. and i had to struggle with that for a long time until i realized you can make as much money as you want, but you have to figure out how, as long as you make that money and whatever money that you're making, you have to figure out how to manage that money because mm -hmm. making money is one thing and then managing what you make is another thing. If you cannot figure out how to manage your money, then it's going to be a real struggle because you're always going to make it and somebody is always going to take it away because there's mm -hmm. always somebody who is looking. Money is always going to move. There's a point right. A and there's right. a B and that's C. It's going to move from A to C. You just have to figure out how to get the B. You have to figure out how to get your B in there. Otherwise, you're always going to earn it and somebody's going to take it away. And mm. then, of course, the idea came that you have to figure out how to budget and all that. So wow. that's how the, my relationship with money started. Yes. And, and uh, it's such an adventure to be, to, have, to be in this country and to see things revolve and, and change the way they are they are, they are changing but the mindset about money has to change especially mm. among us as black people because we have yeah. a different mindset about mm. money yes that indeed. is true and and the fact that we are a communal culture right regardless of where you were born as a black person i believe we are communal in our spirit right we we try right. to not forget where we came from right and there are always people where we come from that we could help, right? So what have been your experiences in advising people to manage money better? What did you notice were some ingrained cultural values that black people hold that may be barriers to better money management, i.e. being communal, always make sure you, your mom is straight, your daddy's straight, your sister's school is paid for, her kids and her kids' kids' are school is paid for, everybody is okay. Before you can do something or invest your money, it has, like you have a payroll, right? We, we live with, right. you know, payroll. And if you don't do that, even for the sake of being the generation that's sacrificed so that future generations can be more comfortable, you're seen as having forgotten where you came from. What, what are your thoughts on that, Dandre? So I would say one of the common themes that I see in the individuals that I uh, talk to about money, being mm. uh, many Black people, I do advise different cultures and identities, but mainly Black people, I would say it's pride and independence. Mm. What I mean by that is we are prideful in our independence, right? We've mm. been able to figure things out, take care of our families, overcome barriers and obstacles. We made it. Comes to, yes, right, right. Or we're, 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 comp we're okay. Okay, <laughs> we're doing well. Uh, yes. So whenever my mom would struggle, she would struggle in silence. Mm. She was very independent. Raising kids on her own just brought about this pride. She's like, look, I'm doing this without men, without people helping me. That's good. But one of the things that um, it, it caused a barrier for us to uh, realize was we didn't know how to access resources. 
Mm. because there are resources that exist. We didn't know how, I consider money to be a language, right? And with any language, you have to learn that language. Yes. And because in a sense, when you think about taking care of family, we were kind of sheltered from that experience. So as we grew up, we didn't really talk to other people about money. Mm. We didn't really um, have the have the ability to access the resources that existed for us. I was mm. a college student. And when it came to accessing scholarships, grants, um, things like that, I really didn't know too much about that. But I knew mm. about loans. Ooh, I knew about cards. those. Right, credit cards, right? Because loans <laughs> and credit cards, that's independent. You don't have to do anything but apply for that. When you talk about grants and uh, scholarships and stuff, that takes a level of initiative, right? Mm -hmm. To reach out and access those resources. So a lot of people I talk to, I, I kind of coach them through how to shift that mindset and that paradigm to realize yeah. that there are a lot of resources out there and resources in our Black community, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always like, let's go to the white people for money, hmm. right? When we talk about accountability systems, we're literally asking people around us to help us, right? To hold mm. us accountable. But if you're managing money on your own because of pride and independence, then you can struggle by yourself. Wow. You can struggle in silence and you don't really, uh, you don't really see where you want to go and have people help you get there. You just see it mm. and you're just like, well, I'll get there. I'll be okay. Right. So right. it's more of that, that um, I try to really help people navigate. Wow. And sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't yep. know what we don't know. And what have been some cultural barriers you have noticed that have hindered people into from developing proper money management um, skills or even accessing the resources that Dandre speaks of? I think for the most part, uh, it's lack of knowledge mm. because people don't even know the, the resources sometimes that exist because uh, as, as Dre has said that we tend to lean towards independence everybody's trying to stand on their own and say you know what i got this i don't need your I help i don't need anybody's help i'm good but they come a time when you have to accept what is out there for you because the resources are there you just have to dig a little bit deeper and be willing to accept that resource for mm. that time being because it could be the one that is going to lift you up it could be the one that's going to make a difference and what a lot of people don't even realize sometimes is if you get a resource and you can't use it mm. there's something that is called paying it forward mm. you can give it to somebody there's back in the day i used to get a gift let's say i gave i gave a gift to a friend of mine and she gifted it to somebody else you know you would feel like i mean why would you do that that is awful but right <laughs> today it's different How for me <laughs> yes today is different for me because if let's say you give me a gift and i don't need it right you gave me the clean heart i don't need it i accept it i can give it to some gift it to somebody else and bless them Mm. most people don't understand that if you get those resources that are there and they are yours and they are legally yours those those things are you're entitled to but if you right. don't go get them then they disappear whatever mm. they go you cannot complain if they disappear and you did not actually go get it and there's actually so many resources out there that a lot of us kind of don't even take advantage of and our counterparts do take advantage of those things Right, right. Yes. And I, so we, I, mm -hmm. go ahead. So we need to make sure that people are educated on the resources and just to take them. It's okay to accept help when you need those resources. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, you mentioned that uh, we tend to take care of other people and everything else. It's a it comes a time to realize that you cannot start taking care of others unless you can take care of yourself. It's not holistic to take care of someone else if you cannot take care of yourself mm. even the bible says for those who read the bible they it says that you have to take care of god first put god first and there's there's a little percent of that what means put god first has something with you as an individual you have mm -hmm. to put yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself you will not be able to take care of any other person so yeah. in that case you always I mean, you cannot leave somebody bleeding on the road, of course. If you right. find them bleeding right. on the road, you got to pick right. them up and, and, and you, you know, you got to address the wound and, and send them going. But after right. that, you have done your part. You have to stop your own bleeding and you have to lift yourself up so that you can be able to lift others up. Other than wow. that, if you don't do that, we all remain the same level. 
and no one grows because we keep right. on you you get and then somebody draws it from the bottom right 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 so, and yeah. i and i and sometimes that can be a generational sacrifice it right. literally may have to make a sacrifice for your entire life correct in order for that for Change. your family to turn the corner financially correct. it might correct. have to be you with your whole life right and so yeah i was gonna say that's why i always say the last generation it starts from scratch mm. and the reason why i say that is because i'm sacrificing my everything right mm. i'm a very conservative spender now I, I'm heavily teaching my kids about finances. I'm pouring so much into them because I know in order to be, like you said, that that generation that that turns the corner, there's sacrifices that come with that. Yes. Which is also a reason why um, I'm the the owner of 1428 Financial Wellness. And yes. it's named after the scripture, Luke 1428. Mm. Um, in the scripture, Jesus was telling the disciples, before you build a building, you must first count the cost, mm. right? So he was insinuating that not only finances, right? What is it going to cost to build this tower? Ooh. Your behavior, the mm. sacrifices you make, your your family, right? Mm. Your peers. What is it going to take to build the tower that you want to build? So let's first count the cost. And yes. my business is led by biblical principles. Mm. And I'm a firm believer of, I'm like Ann was saying, pay God and take care of yourself. I think that was the biggest lesson I had to learn um, as it pertained to financial wellness, that holistic mm. perspective. You are in that cycle. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with you, Anne. Wow. Wow. And Anne, what is your financial specialty? How are you leveraging your financial knowledge to help our community? Well, I specialize mostly in life insurance products because I ended up in the industry by default. Mm. Because I kind of, I kind kind of had a family accident happen to me, and everything fell apart. Oh wow! One of my family members got ill, and the only thing that I thought could have saved that was a good life insurance policy, mm. and we did not know anything about that. Wow. None of us knew anything about that until I started searching, and then I found some of the best products that most of the world the people are using could mm. have helped us, and at a very small cost. Right. So that's how I ended up in the insurance industry. But of course, in the insurance industry, there's a whole lot more involved. Insurance is actually money. Most people hear life insurance and they're thinking, oh, these people are this. You just have to understand the concept <laughs> itself. You have yeah. to understand insurance is is money for your family. It's a one, oh. that's one of the vehicles that's going to help you build and leave a legacy for your family mm. if you die today. Most white people get a life insurance policy for their kid as soon as they're 15 days old a whole life or permanent life insurance per se, because they know that that is an investment that we always reward. It will never fall apart. Right. Now on our side, we pay, maybe give a gift of uh, a pair of Nike and there's nothing wrong with the Nike, but guess <laughs> what? That money has come as a term to has given it to you or ha the Nike has paid you to work for them Ooh. and you have made your, your, your hundred dollars working eight hours from Ooh. Nike and Ooh. you have just given it back to you and it will never give you anything. Mm. The idea is you have to be able to manage your money. You have to be able to save 10% of your money right off the back anytime you start making money and never spend it. Wow. That's how you start. You don't wow. start by spending all the money you make. So even yeah. if you work for Nike, you made $100, 10% of that 100 need to be saved up. Somewhere you will never touch it, not go in and out. Save it there and never touch it. The rest of the 90%, you can divide. You have to be able to do a good budget to be able to achieve your goals. You have to be able to expand your time horizon. Mm. most black people most of us do not know about time horizon you think you're gonna plant it here today and tomorrow is going to be grown even a context a year to grow wow yes wow so you have to expand most wealthy people have a very long time horizon right. let's expand our time horizon plant it today knowing that you're not gonna reap it for another 10 years as right. well right 
right so and I, I i really agree with that and i think back at how my my life has had influences from other people uh parents family who have influenced me from a young age to be financially mindful and i think there's a misconception that the discussions of finances are adult conversations when they need to be instilled in our children at a young age because i remember when my father would promise us like any parent to give us some allowance if we washed the car and we would wash the car maybe he promised us five dollars each but then he'd give us three dollars and some change and i'm like dude you said five dollars he's like uh tax the bucket was mine the soap was mine. The water was mine. Maybe you guys need to start going to the dollar store and buying your own supplies for this business. And then maybe all I tax you is your income. And I'm like 11 years old. I just need $5 for the ice cream truck. If it was $3.67, why didn't you say that? Like this, it, I was a child. I'm like, dude, like, so 67 cents cannot get me anything at the ice cream truck. I need rounded off dollars. Like I, I was like, this is a waste of my time. But by the time we got our first jobs, which by the way, our first job was working. Actually, before we worked for him, we cleaned a, a customer of his house. And again, we would be dropped off on a Saturday. We would clean this lady's mansion. I hated that job. I hope she never listens to this podcast. I'm not going to say her name, but if she listens, she'll know it was her. But I hated cleaning. It was such hard work for $15. And then my mom would take one of our $15 and keep it away. And she will let us split the other 15. Again, fraud, fraud. I was like, where is our money going? Do you know how hard we work? You take half of our money. And then high school, mom opened a credit card in both of our names, a capital one credit card. When I tell you, I still have that credit card number today. And I am 35 years old. And she opened that credit card when I was in high school in my name and used it to buy gas and buy groceries and pay it off every month in full so that by the time I became an adult, I had credit because the biggest lesson we learned as immigrants was no credit is bad credit. So mom was like, okay, how do we help the girls build credit? And I've heard horror stories of my friends whose parents used their name to put things on their credit that disabled them when they became a functioning adult because they started off with bad credit. They couldn't get an apartment, couldn't get a car. They have a whole college education with student loans, can't pay them off because mom had maxed out her credit or her credit wasn't sufficient to live the quality of life she desired or dad desired or a cousin or older sibling desired. So they use that baby's name and social security number to open a credit card. And so I consistently just had different lessons and opportunities from my parents that set me up. So the the, the theme here is how do we set up our children to start gaining financial knowledge at a very young age? And by the way, you know, Dandre, let me not come to your budgeting and hear you telling parents to tax their children's allowance without giving me credit, okay? I, I saw that event, bright event, and we're going to talk about that. Um, don't be, don't be taking my idea now and not giving me credit. But anyway, you know how can because we talked about legacy. What is legacy without financial stability? What is legacy? When you hear legacy, when I hear legacy, immediately I think estate. I think Roth IRAs. I think of people who've prepaid their funerals. I think of life insurance. I think of you know stocks. I think of you know bonds. I. I think so many things when I think legacy, I think properties, I think things that appreciate rather than depreciate in value. Where are we placing our value financially? What would both of you suggest people who are parenting the next generation? You know, let's say, of course it starts with you. And while you're doing the work, your kids are still growing. They don't stagnate. They're still part of the financial ecosystem. So Dandre, how, how are you advising our community, our black community to be very specific on how to instill financial management skills in the children? Right, so as you were talking about your experience as a child, I was laughing because I'm like, that's what I do with my kids. So, <laughs> I am who your children will become. Yes, yeah, so I kind of feel a little bad. I might go buy them some ice cream after this. But, uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, 
um, I quickly recognized a huge gap in area of need when I started my business, uh, 1420 mm. Financial Wellness, because I served adults, mm. right? So I was um, at a workshop partnering with um, Early Learning Neighborhood Collaborative um, here in Grand Rapids, and I'm talking to them about money management. And after the workshop, someone walked up to me and she was like, this is some really good information, and I think this is really going to help me, but I don't know how to help my kids. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. In my mind, I had so many ideas, right? But yes. then I also knew that I needed to speak directly to the kids as well, right? Yes. I needed to not only prepare parents, but pre prepare the kids. Because when we look at, like, even if for the individuals that have kids, really quick experiment, our kids grow up, right? Learning us. Mm. So when we think about people that influence us to spend, it's the people that's around us all the time. Yes. Versus marketing, right? And then it's our kids, right? So if we don't educate our kids on how to manage their money well, they're going to indirectly impact the suspend. I'll give you a quick example. I walked into Target one day and my daughter's like, I want a doll. And I'm like, why? She was like, oh, because they're always showing it, right? On YouTube, they're always showing ads about dolls. Wow. Right? If this was me a few years ago, I'd have got you that doll, right? I wouldn't have questioned you, right? You're my right. child. I want to make sure you have everything, right? Right. I used to literally go into debt around Christmas time to make sure my kids had everything. We wow. talk about a cultural thing, right? For the black community, we want to shower our community with gifts, right? Yes. Not made. We could make those gifts, right? But purchasing them, showing that we have money when we don't is also one of our struggles. Mm. So when I started, um, I launched the nonprofit Young Money Finances. And it was stemmed after my kids learning money management from me, right. even though I wasn't directly teaching them at the time. They were with me when I was teaching other people. Mm. So they was just picking it up because wow. we are products of our environments. Yes. Right. So one day I was uh, getting ready for a workshop and my daughter just started talking to, it was some college students. She was like, and this is how you budget and this is how you save. And I'm looking like, hold on. I didn't tell her that in the world. So, <laughs> yes. So I said, hold on. I need to start this nonprofit and really encourage, teach, educate, and motivate kids. Because again, we go back to when we were growing up, our peers weren't having these conversations. Correct. But it's, it's like grown folk talk. Yes, yes. Yes. And now more than ever, they have access to the internet, right? So Correct. we, like us, we can't, we could say like, we don't know what we don't know. Right. I don't do that that for my kids i'm like mm. pick it up every day you can know anything right. you want to know right like there there's the sky is the limit to what you want to do so one of the ways that i teach my kids is um i use ped p-e-d participate educate and demonstrate wow right participate means that you are doing something to advance your life financially you are growing your financial literacy in some way right right educate is then you taking it a step further to figure out how can I, cause you know, learn about your kid enough to educate your kid mm. and then demonstrate is you partnering with your child to do it with them. Wow. And I'll use an example. My daughter, she wanted to, uh, she loves gymnastics. Gymnastics is a very expensive sport, but <laughs> she loved it. And I wanted to invest in it um, because I was another thing uh, growing up. I wasn't really a part of a lot of athletic things because of money. Correct. Couldn't afford the equipment, couldn't do all those things. But when we look at being in those spaces, you learn how to socialize, work as a team, all those Correct. things. Correct. Right? So my daughter, uh, she wanted a gymnastics bar in her, her room. And I'm like, so oh, I can Lord. teach you how to fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, go get it for you. Right. And I was like, I'd rather teach you. Right. Right. So what I did was I was like, let me use the same model that I use with parents, um, individuals and families as it pertains to financial education mm. I said okay show me the bar that you want so she looked it up on Amazon she literally looked it up herself she went wow. on Amazon found the bar I said when do you want this bar I want it in three months I said okay we divided it out I yes. said how much is shipping she looked up the shipping cost so we had our total amount divided by three we talk about um, our inability to learn math as a black community mm. but she's motivated so she's yes. going to learn this math. So she's adding it up. She's excited about it. She don't even know that she's doing multiplication, division. She don't even know that. She wow. just She's just excited that she's about to figure out how to get to gymnastics bar. So I said, this is how much you need to make a month. 
Wow. He said, so how am I going to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> Magic said, question. <laughs> You're going to get a job. She said, what do you mean? I said, Ooh. okay. Um, I love side hustles. Mm. So I do side hustles all the time. Those are my fillers when, whenever I'm looking at my budget and I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> all right, I need to fill this little gap in my budget. I'm side hustling. Yes. So I watched her do a lot of shopping in her room. Like she has a little shopping cart. So she, I said, okay, you about to really shop, have fun and make money doing that. So when daddy goes out, you're going to go out too. And then what's going to happen is I'll split the, the profit with you and then you can have all the tip. Oh. Right. So, so you guys were doing <laughs> shipped. What were you guys doing? Yeah, yeah we did ship. Yep. <laughs> There's Instacart out there. And I was told that they yes. paid more. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but we were doing shipped. And then um, what happened was I bought her a bucket that said, spend, share, and give. I tell mm. people all the time, you only have four options when you get money. That's it, just four options. Wow. Spend, share, give, or invest. That's it. So you can decide what you wanna do. Every time mm. she made money, we would uh, come home and she would decide where to put that money. I let her decide. And then mm. I would ask her like, why did you decide uh, share? Why did you decide give? I remember one day she came, she went into a room and she pulled out some of her money and put it into the give section. Oh. I was like, why'd you do that? Well, daddy, every time we drive down that one street, I see a lot of people always asking for money. Mm. So I want to make sure that I can give them some money next time, which led to that conversation as we grew up, right? Always giving, right? And yes. not making sure that you uh, give to yourself. Wow. I said, giving is a, a great um, service that God mm -hmm. is blessed to do, right? But wow. you want to make sure that you budget for your giving. There's nothing yes. wrong with Yes. Yes. And because she had her spend share and she moved it to give, I wanted to make her aware of it because I'm all about giving her the ability wow. to make her. One thing I'm giving. I, yeah, all the time. Yeah, we. <laughs> but one of the things uh, as we think about Black identity in the community, we don't like people touching our money and telling us what to do with our money. We don't mm -hmm. like that. So why would I come in and tell you what to do with your money? Wow. I, I love my business because I don't tell people what to do with their money. I give them many resources and many different options. And then at the end of the day, you're going to choose anyway. But long, long and short was uh, she ended up making her money um, right on time. Took her three months. And wow. then the interesting thing was that I took pictures of it each time. And she ended up writing a little narrative under each one. And she created a book. Wow. That, right. So now that became a revenue stream for her. So now she's a published author because she did something in real time, had a real life lived experience, and now wow. it's motivated her to manage her money and not just me saying, well, you don't wanna spend it on that and you don't wanna do this. And she's like, why? I don't get it that. So right. that's one of the things I can encourage parents to do. And though it sounds like a lot, we right. actually have those opportunities so frequently with our kids. Sometimes it's just more convenient for us to skip that. But like we know, mm. if we want to turn the corner as a generation, you're yes. going to have to sacrifice some time. There are times where I have to cut my phones off and I have to talk to my kids about money. Wow. My daughter asked me one day, like, so when I ask you for money, sometimes you tell me, no, why is that? I said, this is a moment to talk to everybody. I called all the kids into the room. We had a family meeting. Yeah, I posted it on uh, YouTube <laughs> because I was like, this is, these are conversations that we don't typically have anymore. Sure. Yeah. I remember watching those things on TV where they right. would have meetings and they would talk and, Right. We don't have those anymore. So I'm like, let's bring some of those value systems back and let's surround it by finances because I'm going to be the last generation to start from scratch, which means you have to learn these things before um, I leave this earth, but also mm. before you get to a point where you're like, well, my dad never taught me that. I don't right. know. That. Right. And as you were talking, I thought about how often children at the stores um, ask their parent, can I have this? And the short answer is always no. What did I tell you in the car? Whereas that is an opportunity to teach. And so, and I'm wondering, what are you teaching our community or the people you serve um, in your business um, to instill in their children as a way to ensure they leave a financially secure legacy? Wow. I, I know, know I can, you got to follow Dondre, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next <laughs> time I'll ask you first. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk that. That is good uh, information. Uh, what he right? said, right? That your I answer very, is whatever he said. 
yeah, it's like whatever he says, just follow that. I really just maybe I can add one. I endorse that statement since we're in a political season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and to just be like, my name is Anne and I endorse that statement. Whatever. <laughs> I am Amber. I endorse everything he said. <laughs> that, that was powerful, and 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 I'm taking notes, and I'm learning one or two things with this podcast. So I am so grateful to be part of it. I have found myself, of course, I like I said, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I specialize in insurances, life insurances, uh, with living benefit, uh, to be exact. But I've found myself having to go ahead and try to educate uh, our community on the importance of doing a budget. Mm. Budgeting is very important. Uh, as Dre said, that uh, you have to budget everything in. The, I use, I personally, and, and, and when I teach this in our community, I use the formula 30, 30, 10, 10. Mm. Uh, meaning that you take 30% of the money you make and you put it to fixed needs. The things mm. that you can do without. You take another 30%, you put it to the flexible needs, the things that you want. Mm. So those are things that you can actually do with, you can actually do without if you decided or chose to. And then you get it to 10%, you have to budget it in. You give it to charity, you give it to God. Mm. Whichever, whichever it is, it's charity 10%, tied. That's the 10% you got to budget it in. And most importantly, you got to budget in to pay yourself first. Mm. So I think I already mentioned it before, the most important thing that every single person needs to learn and to teach the children, the coming generation is to be able to actually be able to pay yourself first and be able to live on 90% of your income. Ooh, right off the bat. I make right off the back there's no if or bats when you get your check and for some who have already taken out uh, their check if you're employed if you're not employed you're at an advantage mm. if you're not if you're self-employed you're at an advantage yeah but right after that you gotta pay yourself first before you can go pay anyone else because mm. that's how you're going to build yourself a nest egg and once you save that 10 percent, never take it out that is not wow. where you go to get to give. You already budgeted to give. So don't go, don't go into that part when your giving is extra. You know, personally what I do and what I have started doing because I wanna be able to practice, teach and practice the same things. I don't wanna just talk about it and I can't practice it. Mm. I, uh, I'm tending to budget and tending to say, look, this is how much I am planning to give away this month. No matter what happens, it's already budgeted in. If right. something comes up, I'll give it. I will find a way to give it away. Right. So if somebody comes, they have a need, I'll, I'll give it away. I already have it there. Right. So that is already budgeted. Most, most importantly is we need to teach our children that you need to spend less. Hmm. spending less financial freedom comes to people who has a big spread between their expenses and their spendings. Hmm. So the bigger the spread, the better it is. Right. Yeah, you know, wealthy people only spend 30% of their income. What? 30%. 30% is saved and the other 30% is invested. We hmm. need to be able to, um, to increase that spread so that financial freedom can start somewhere. And it doesn't really matter how much you make. Right. Just, just right. try to start with that 10% and then you wow. can go into it. Lately, that's what I've been teaching my mm. kids. I have three in the house. One of them is a chef, I think, you know. Yes, yes. We enjoy I've cooking. Her stuff. You guys need to connect your kids virtually. We live in a virtual time. Like, her kids That's love true. to cook and they, they're, isn't she selling her food now? Is she selling her food? She should be. She is selling her food. She makes chapels and she sells. She wow. loves to cook. And one of the things that, you know, take us back sometimes and we want our kids, like Grace said, that we want our kids to participate in everything. Yes. Because we felt that we never got the opportunity to do that. We have to be careful about that. Yes. You mm. cannot get your kid in every single thing that is going on just because I said so. Right. Let them show some interest into it before yes. you put money into it. And then a week later, they start saying, oh, you I know, don't like it. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I just don't feel it. 
And that's the same thing that I say when it comes to purchasing toys around Christmas time. Mm. Uh, I, I put out this series that's plan, prioritize, and pay because around Christmas time, we want to give our kids everything. And then as soon as mm. Christmas time is over, they lack interest in it. They're right. not playing with those toys anymore. There's something else new out there. Right. So like you said, that conservative spending and spending less, that's not just a after Christmas thing. Right. That's year round because we already know it's the same cycle that happens every single year. My mom used wow. to throw out toys every year. She threw out toys, garbage bags of toys. Y'all don't play with these wow. anyway. But then she bought them. So she's literally throwing away money, right? She's yes. literally taking money and throwing it away. Yes. Like the other piece is she's not taking it and selling it back to the store, mm. right? She's throwing it away because lacking that ability, knowledge to go get something from it. It's like, why am I using this anyway? Wow. Yes, yes. Wow. I have, I have learned so much and I feel like this can be <laughs> an ongoing conversation, but I will say every little counts. I, I am not in a perfect financial place myself, but I am leaps and bounds further than where I started and certainly above the curve among my peers, you know, and I think it takes people who break it down to you, who tell you how it really is. I know Anne sold me my life insurance, which I appreciate her. I appreciate my dad even taxing my allowance when I was younger and didn't know any better. But I really appreciate him not talking to us as kids when it came to money. In our household, money, because my dad was a businessman and when we moved to the U.S., we all worked in my dad's businesses, he kept it real. He used to tell us, man, business is not very good right now, so don't expect that thing you wanted. Or, you know, he used to just tell us and I used to be like, oh my gosh, I remember a time when we had to transition from one business to another and before things picked up, my mom wasn't even buying as much meat and my mom was like, it's going to be hard. And I was like, are we broke? Like, what is happening? Like, are we really broke? Like, do we not have money? And my mom was like, sometimes that's how business is. It has highs and lows. You want to make sure when it's high, you put a little aside for a rainy day. But because we've just transitioned business and kind of emptied our pot into this business before it makes money, we have to do what we have to do. So I think growing up in a house where I wasn't sheltered about money, and then when I became an adult and I started working and I started realizing different kinds of employment, such as being employed full time and having your taxes deducted there and all that versus working independently on a 1099 where you have to manage your taxes. I didn't know that when I started working as a 1099 contractor, nobody told me I needed to put away money to pay my taxes. Then I went to an accountant, bless her heart, and I'm going to give her a shout out because she has saved my life, Brooke Nichols, my accountant. <laughs> she told me, girl, did you pay your taxes? I was like, huh? What taxes? And she was like, this money was not taxed. I said, oh my God, what's going to happen now? She was like, oh, you're going to get a bill. I was like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was paying taxes for like three years, you guys. I was like, I didn't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't even know to ask because I didn't know I didn't know. But she made sure we, we did a plan with the IRS. I paid my taxes off. And I realized, actually, I told her, do you know what? This amount that you're saying I should have paid my taxes, I couldn't have afforded to pay these taxes. Because when I look back at how little I was actually making, where, right. but as Anne says, I was living above my means at the time because my bills would not have allowed me to pay those taxes looking back. I was like, where was this money supposed to come from? I don't have a healthy savings account that that money went to. I, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I don't have it. That means I spent everything I made. And mm -hmm. I, I, it took me about two and a half to three years to clean that up. Now I don't owe any taxes. I actually get money back, but- uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah. And then, yes. And then I, I, I got a, a good job and she was like, well, let's talk about retirement now. I was like, huh? And she was like, you've made a big leap in your income. You haven't yet budgeted for this money, this surplus. I want you to save 12%. I said, what? Of what? 12% from where? How? Who does? Do people do this? And by people, I meant white people. I was like, is this what y'all are doing? She was like, Christine, you really should be at 25, 26% saving. Right. Of yep. what? I just made it. What do you mean? I to replace my Honda Civic because it's not that new. Can I get a car note? 12%? That's a car note. Let me tell you, I was saving $350 a month. I know it doesn't sound like much, but going from zero 
to 350 right. a month. Oh, that was money I was not seeing. I didn't even know what that looked like. And then when I lost that job and it was time to move those retirement funds, I looked at my retirement balance. I said, I saved all this. I said, oh, I like get used to that. I was like, I like this. I didn't, I didn't even know how much I was really saving in retirement. I never looked there because she told me money you don't know is not money you need to build a new relationship with. You can just let it go. You don't know it. It's like a stranger. You don't know it. You don't know that money. And so when I saw that money, when it was time to cash out and I hadn't been at that job too long, I said, oh, so I went to, I emailed her. I was like, Brooke, I have to like cash out my retirement and move it somewhere. Where, what are we going to do now? She's like, do you know of a Roth IRA? I said, oh my God, another thing. What is this? And she, she was like, we can invest aggressively. I said, aggressively, is somebody going to beat me up? I mean, these terms that I don't even know. She was like, oh, we need to, we need to invest aggressively so that it doesn't take you too long to retire or you can invest slowly and it will take you longer to get to the amount you want at the age you want to retire. So it, there was a formula. So she was like, if you invest aggressively at the age of 35, you might retire at 60 comfortably-ish. And I said, oh, all these terms. If we don't have a brook in our life who we trust, because let me tell you, whenever I get a job and they're like, you need to pick your exemption. I was like, no, I don't. Brooke does. I just, I, I, what am I, what? I don't know anything. I mean, I do, but I'm just like, this is somebody I trust that I go to. And I say, hey, I got a new job. Here's my first pay stub. I don't even do anything. Let me tell you, after doing my direct deposit for church, because I don't even like to mess with God's money, I just tell them to take a direct deposit. Like, do you have a recurring donation site? Can I sign up my credit card? Because I want my points. It needs to go through Chase Sapphire, please, because I have it in my account, but I need the rewards. They're nice when I shop on Amazon and I don't have to pay for stuff. People need to know how my money circulates, right? Yeah. Build your credit. It's moving. Yes, I pay everything through my Chase Sapphire because I'm like, it gives me the best rewards. And when I go to Amazon and I need to spend something to make me feel good because I'm still human, <laughs> hallelujah, I've not been delivered from that. I can see, oh, you have $30 on your Sapphire worth of points. I said, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, $30. <laughs> you know, and it's everything. And so once I pay God, I go to Brooke with my first pay stub. I say, okay, this is how the numbers are working out. This is my gross income. This is my net income. Where can I invest, especially pre-tax dollars? Where can I invest? But it didn't come easy. Like I said, I had to pay off taxes for two and a half months, two and a half years and bite that bullet. I was ashamed that I owed taxes and that I didn't know. I didn't know I needed to be paying quarterly taxes. And so in closing, where can people find you so that we can reach out to you all for financial advice? We can send our children. We can um, buy financial um, services or programs from you. What do you have going that our listeners can plug into and connect in order to take this conversation further from this podcast to practical application in their lives? Dandria, do you want to go first? Dandria? Yeah, so um, again, thank you for the opportunity to come on to the podcast and talk about something that's near and dear. And Anne, I cannot wait to connect with you because <laughs> it sounds like you have a lot of great resources, experiences. I did have an opportunity to travel to Ghana in 2007. I went wow. to Ghana. Changed my life. Um, but one of the wow. things I, I really loved was the food. It was so authentic. Ooh. So even though you're from Kenya and your kids are making some good food, we need to connect okay. so I can give it to you. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm on, I I'm got on. you. <laughs> okay, perfect. But people can reach me at www.1428fw.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at 1428fw, on Twitter at 1428fw. And then you can find me on Facebook and YouTube at 1428 Financial Wellness. Um, I do want to end with letting people know I have an event coming up. Um, so if you're in Grand Rapids next week, you want to come to the budget and sip. Mm. One of the approaches I'm taking to finances is finances is everywhere. So why not have fun with it? Why not change the mood behind finances? Come relax and learn some financial tips and start to focus on your budget as you go into the new year. Because I tell people all the time, your budget tells you your lifestyle. Your income will let you know if you can afford it. Mm, thank so come check you. me out. Thank you for that. Is that just an in-person event or will there be a virtual option? It's in-person. I'm learning more virtual things. Um, okay. So 
it's going to be monthly. So I'm always going to have a budget oh, to sit each month. And then eventually um, I'll be able to make it virtual, but I'm still learning from my business because I love the aspect of finances being face to face. I'm just, I'm stretching myself to say, okay, yes. I really have to engage people virtually so that it can be more accessible to individuals. Correct. Especially in this time where people may be wanting to social distance, but also people out of state or out of town who may want to plug into this because this is like, yeah, it needs to be further. It needs to spread further and reach a further audience. And how can we reach you? How can we connect? How can we endorse you? How can we support you? Well, thank you so much to the both of you. It's such an honor uh, to have this opportunity to share this evening with, uh, with you guys. You can reach me. My name is Anne Burrow. My number is 443-277-7962. That is my direct line. So you can call me. I'll be uh, more than happy to assist you. Our office number is 434-836-1203. You can look us up at uh, invidafinancial.com. That is invidafn.com. Or you can look me up on our Facebook, Anne Burrow. It is such an honor, and I'm looking forward to doing more of this so we can be able to, uh, to be able to empower our own people. This is great stuff. Yes, I think there needs to be a part two because we can When I tell you, <laughs> I feel like the financial world has its own like dictionary. Can you guys publish a financial dictionary? Because when my accountant said we need to invest aggressively, I really didn't. Aggressive to me as a word was not pleasant. But when she explained it, I was like, oh, she was like, yeah, you've been investing quite aggressively to your retirement. And I was like, oh, well, then aggressive it is. I feel there. Can we start from there? I like definitions so that when you're giving a talk or a lecture, we're on the same page because people are not on the same page. And when I hear two, three words that I don't understand or whose context doesn't make sense, I tune out. The brain at that point has to work too hard to keep up with what is being said. And maybe that's where we need to start. And maybe it's a children's book because again, start it from a young age. Maybe it's a children's book, it's illustrated, but it, it teaches those financial definitions and we start from the basics. So thank you both for being here. I'm sure I'm gonna have you on again because I just love this discussion and it's gonna help so many people and our children and our community. And again, all for the legacy. So thank you for being here. It's been my pleasure having you. This has been Christine. Black. Yes. One more question. Okay. For you, and I forgot to mention to the to the <laughs> listeners that uh, uh, we are holding an event in about what time? In the six o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We are holding yeah. a, a seminar. It's a financial seminar. It's oh. gonna be virtual today and tomorrow. Oh. So if anyone wanna, I don't know how I can give them the link, but we have a financial seminar coming up soon. Oh, if you send it to me because this podcast will not air until Thanksgiving, I will share it on social media today and tomorrow. Oh, okay. I'll share it. Yeah. Dandre and I can share it. Send it to us. Yeah, yeah. Send it to us via email and we will share it um, since it's so soon upcoming. We will share it. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. This has been another episode of Pulsing Black. I've been your host, Christine. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.